So normally the Jericho, the walls of Jericho and that whole story is used as an analogy. It's used for conquering and for how God brings down our enemies and all of those things. I'm still going to use it as an analogy this morning. Still going to use that, but a slight twist to it because we're going to focus on the praise aspect of it. So let me go through the passage so that I'm, 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 I'm faithful to the text and then get back to some of the things that perhaps we could highlight for ourselves this morning. Joshua is leading God's people to take over Jericho, the first thing that happens right after they cross the Jordan, the first land, the first peoples that they are called to, uh, to take over. Okay, verse, verse 1, Jericho was fortified itself against its enemies by shutting everything in and out. Nobody went out, nobody came in. This is because Rahab had gone and <laughs> exposed the whole thing and then she had had these guys, the spies had come and seen everything. They had already been compromised. I mean, spies had been in and out, so they had been compromised. So they sealed the city and they were scared stiff and they were holding forth. Okay, verse 2, God says, see, they're holding forth. They've closed, they've shut down. They've, they've blocked the entrances. No one's going in, no one's going out. God says, see, I have given Jericho into your hands. They're sitting ducks. It's, it's king, I've given him. It's mighty men of valor. Verse 3, you shall march around the city. You shall march around this very interesting game plan for war. Joshua has never seen this game plan ever before. He has never seen this happen before. He is prepared. He's got his sticks. He's got his stones. He's got his, 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 uh, his catapults. I don't know what all he had. Spears, everything ready. Blazing in the sun there with his army. Everything polished up. Uh, just waiting for war, commands of war to come. And then God says, this is what you're going to go to do. There were a few people who are armed in front. They'll go ahead of the Ark of the Covenant and you're going to walk around, march around the city. All you men of war, that means the entire army, all around the city, right around the city, all week, every day, once for six days. This you will do for six days. Verse 4, seven priests and seven ram's horns. There are different types of horns, different types of trumpets, seven ram's horns. Seven priests, seven ram's horns will go before the ark. But the seventh day you will not go around once, you will go around seven times. Seven times are you going to go around the city and then, and then when you have gone around seven times, the priests will blow the trumpets. The priests will blow the trumpets. Verse 5. When you hear the long blast. So they're not playing a tune. They're not singing a song. This is not a praise and worship session. This is one long blast of the trumpet. Okay, when you hear the long blast. And when you hear the sound of the trumpets. All the people. Everyone will shout one great shout. Everyone. Everyone. Whoa! That woke up a few. <laughs> Everyone wants, so they're not shouting praises, they're not saying hallelujah, hallelujah 439 times. There's one shout. So one blast of the trumpet, one shout. Okay? And then, when you hear the long blast, when you hear the sound, all the people shout, then the walls will fall down flat. Nice game plan. Great plan. Happened before? Never. Happened again? Never. Joshua stands in the middle of history with a battle plan that he has never understood in all of his 39 years of training with Moses. Because God didn't even give that to Moses. There were no walls in the desert. Then the walls will fall down flat. 
And when the walls fall down flat, basically everything that stands between you and your land is taken down. Walk over the debris, everyone going straight before him, not meandering around, every man straight before him, and you shall, so verse 6, Joshua goes straight. I like this about Joshua. He doesn't argue. He doesn't go back to God on it. He doesn't ask for 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 a appraisal. He goes straight to work. He turns around, he tells the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant, let seven priests bear the seven trumpets, march around the city, armed people first. Verse 10, he gives a warning, but you shall not shout or make any noise, chup chop, hands on your knees, hold hands, everybody walk around the city quietly. With your voice you will not open your mouth. Nor shall a word proceed until I say shout, and when you shout, you will shout one shout. Verse 11 through 14, early in the morning, every day they got up, did the drill, put on their pajamas, every day, every morning, early in the morning, we are going for a walk. We're going to walk around the city and then we're going to come back. And we don't know why we're doing this. Sound familiar? When God tells you to do things, when there are disciplines that you just have to do, nothing comes out of it. Nothing results from it. And you, are, you don't know what God is up to. Every day, quietly, you will walk around the city and you will come around. I just find this fascinating. My mind goes all over the place with this thing. 40 years, they circled because of disobedience. Six days, they will circle because of obedience. You shall not shout. You shall not make a noise. Verse 11 through 14, every morning they did this. Verse 15 through 17, on the seventh day, they got up early. Same thing. They marched on seven times, not once, but seven times. What they did every day, they did seven times. They did seven times that amount on the weekend, on, uh, on that last seventh day. When they marched on seven times, boom, it happened. The walls came tumbling down. The priest had blown the trumpet. Joshua said, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And God did it. God brought the walls down and they fell down flat. They went to war at the edge of the sword, brought the city to destruction, burnt the city, and there's archaeological evidence of that city being burnt. However, it was rebuilt and people continued to live there. War, judgment, violence. Is this the God of the Bible? Verse 18 says, Now the city shall be doomed. By the Lord to destruction. The city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction. It and all who are in it. This is God's decision. God Almighty, the sovereign God, has already doomed the city to destruction. We don't get to question that. We can question whether God is a God of war or whether he sends his people out to war in his name. That is a question that we can ask. We can debate that. But he says the city is doomed, only Rahab the harlot, the prostitute, only Rahab and her family will be spared. Jericho dies, Rahab lives. That is the will of God. So when you say Rahab, a prostitute, is going to live and Jericho is going to die, something tells me that it's not about the sinner, it's about the sin. And that there is hope for salvation. And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things. Things that will bring a curse on the camp. You will go in. You will destroy. You will do as I tell you. You will follow through on this plan. But you will not touch anything. You will not take anything. It will go two ways. What is destroyed completely and what goes into the temple. What goes into the treasury of God. What is dedicated for God and what goes 
you will not touch anything. You will not destroy anything. You will just go in and do as you're told. When I look at this, my heart is torn because I cannot understand how God would want destruction. Many people have gone through the Old Testament and says the old God of the Old Testament is not the God of the New Testament. This can't be the God we worship. God is a God of, of, of grace and of love and of compassion. But you cannot get away from the fact that God is also a holy God and God is a God of justice. And when you say the city was already doomed to destruction, you go back in time in Deuteronomy and other places and you find out that there was child sacrifices happening there. There was probably child prostitution happening there. There was moral corruption in the city. All sorts of horrible things were happening in that city. And that city, that people group was already not in a good place with God. And this is not between us and those people. They are not our enemies for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But people will stand in judgment before God. People will account to God. You think that all the things that are happening in the world today, you think that the things that are being reported are not going to come under judgment. God judges the wicked. God judges nations. God judges people. God judges sin. And he will not allow a certain amount. There seems to be this threshold that he will not allow you to go forward. He would even flood the entire earth and bring everything to a standstill just to when things get too much. When things get too much. For even God can run out of patience when it comes to matters like that. So it's not war but judgment, uh, justice. It is not war but justice and judgment. God was pronouncing judgment on an idolatrous people and bringing justice at a point in history. This is not a genocide. This is not war. This is not God calling his people to go to war to, uh, with others in his name. The people of Israel were not to kill anybody. They were not to go to war. They were not the ones who, to call, who are the ones to call judgment on anybody. But God used the holy army to follow through on his plan. That's why the focus is on Joshua, the commander of the army. The focus is on the men of war. And the focus is on the commander in chief, Jesus in his pre-incarnate state who meets Joshua. Are you getting the picture? We're not talking about Abraham and faith and the promises and the people of Israel. As far as the people of Israel are concerned, it's the tribes, it's the land, it's the promises of God. But as far as judgment is concerned, Joshua, this is what you're going to do. Don't touch anything. This is not about you. This is not about Israel winning over any other country. This is not about you putting your flag there. Jericho had been judged because of its wickedness. He had already condemned the city to destruction and the army was following through. You hear these words like total destruction, destroy, don't mix with them, don't marry them. Now you can't destroy them and then not marry them. You can't flee them out of the land, send them out of the land and also kill them. So there are words that are not, they're not you know, going well. So you have to understand within the context of what was going on there. A few years later we find that Canaanites were living in that land. Obviously all were not destroyed. So we don't know what God means when he says totally destroy them or destroy them completely. When he's talking about annihilation of the people group or their name or wiping their, 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 their identity out on the earth. I don't know what God was doing and how God judged nations. It's not my place. But there is something about a holy God and ungodly people. That I can tell you. Later on, the Gibeonites come in and we're going to talk about them in the latter part of Joshua. They have their own set of problems. Let me tell you three things from my heart to yours. 
from this incredible passage of scripture and read it over and over again if you can get a chance. Number one, don't go after what God has not blessed. Your life, my life, your family, my family, your career, my career. Don't go after what God has not blessed. God will not give you increase. When you go after people that God, God's blessing is not on their life. God's lordship is not on their life and you go after them and you want to love them and you want to live with them and you want to marry them and you want to partner with them in business and you go after a situation where God is not their God and, and God is not their priority and they don't worship the true and living God, then you are in danger. Don't go after God, what God has not blessed. It is the outcome of someone else's sin that you're going after. It has been judged by God. You have no right over that. Let me tell you one more thing. God expects complete trust. God expects complete trust. In your daily life, in your everyday life, in your family life, in your devotional life, God expects trust. Work with me, six days. What are you gonna do? Six days, every day, you're gonna get up, you're gonna get dressed, army and all, polish everything, look as good as you've ever looked before, and go for a walk around the city once and keep quiet not the best battle plan you want Joshua's like he didn't do this but if I was Joshua Lord I think we should rethink this plan so this here's what you're saying they're already scared of us and things are great we just have to go in and conquer yes okay but instead you want us to go be quiet and walk around the city Okay, and walk around the walls that are much higher than us. Chariots could race on top of those walls. So that they're all on top of the walls with their arrows and everything and they're ready. And you go with your armed men up in front and the rest of you just following quietly and you do this quietly the whole day. And they're getting the picture here. They're not idiots. The Jerichoites or the Jerryites. They're getting the picture here. These guys are quietly going, take him! No, they didn't take him. Nobody came out. Nobody said a thing. There was no praise. There was no worship. There was no hallelujahs. There was no, uh, they didn't leave notes saying we're coming back. One day, two days, Joshua's like, Lord, at least the third day they're going to get the idea. And they could come out to war. The armed people are in front. They could attack us from behind. The walls are so high they could attack us from on top. God has not sent you to war, but God will protect when he says quietly go for a walk. They did it once, they did it twice, they were six days. On the seventh day, they did it seven times. By the third time, I'm thinking, here's a plan. Dude, next time they come around, and they will, we'll take him. They didn't, they didn't. Not on the six times through the week, not on seven times on the seventh day, and when they shouted, the walls came crumbling down. Six days, they woke up every morning. That's daily discipline. They walked around the city once quiet and they returned. That's daily obedience. Just do as you're told. They were open to attack. They were open to danger. Absolutely vulnerable. Only God was their protection. Daily dependence on God. The armed men went ahead, but they were not attacked. 
and the routine and predictable behavior made them susceptible, but they were safe. They did this routine seven times as much on Sunday. Not nothing through the week and then once on Sunday. Are you getting where I'm going with this? It was there every day of the week, obedience through the week, and then seven times as much on Sunday. And then when you shout, the walls came tumbling down. So that leads us to the third thing I wanted share with you this morning. The shout of praise is a declaration of God's presence and victory. The shout of praise is a declaration of God's presence and victory. Do you know those trumpets that they blew? Those were called jubilee trumpets. Those trumpets were blown whenever they were announcing that God was here. Those trumpets were blown in the temple that God has come. When Jesus' birth was announced, the trumpets were blown. When Jesus returns at the end of uh, this time and comes to take us, the trumpets are going to be blown. Those Those trumpets are to announce God is here. And when God is here, there is victory. When God is here, there is salvation. When God is here, there is also judgment. The shout of praise is a declaration of God's presence and victory. When God is present, there is victory. God has not called us to war. He has called us to worship. Beware of believers that are always at war. With Satan, with everyone, they're at war. Beware. God has called us to worship. Shout! For the Lord has given you the city. What are we saying here? We're saying if you're not obedient all week, don't expect the walls to fall on Sunday. Don't expect anything great from the worship on Sunday. When you praise Him. That shout, that word for praise is one of seven words in the Hebrew of different types of praise. And that is a shout of victory. That God is present, we have won. God is present, we have won. Praise is not saying nice things to God about God. That's not praise. God, you're so wonderful. God, you're so sweet. God, you're so loving. God, you're so this. You're reminding God of what he's already like. He knows. Praise is reminding you of the God you worship. Praise is reminding each other of the God you. That's why the Acts chapter says, the, Acts chapter 2 says, they gathered together and they sang hymns to one another. They didn't say they sang hymns to God. They sang hymns to one another. They confessed their sin to one another. They sang hymns to one another. That's why the worship ministry in this church is not going to be as much singing to God as much as it's going to be singing to others. I want to develop trios and quartets and, and, and duets and songs that speak to you and speak over you and sing over you the love, the promises, the strength of God. Our worship team is working on that. The shout of praise is a declaration of God's presence and victory. I love this trumpet. I love this praise, this word, when you shout that God is here. You shout that God is present. You shout that God is victorious. It is the call of judgment on what God has already judged. You don't get to judge. You call out the judgment on what God has already judged. Shout, for I have given you the city. Verse 18 says, the city was already doomed. city was already doomed. So who is your enemy? What do you call judgment on? What do you call the praise of God for? You can be annoyed. Do you know how people get annoyed? You begin to get annoyed at something. 
Then you begin to get more annoyed at something else. Then now anything and everything annoys you. I'm talking mostly Tuesday morning. Because Monday's a great day. Because the whole week's ahead of you. Like teenagers have their whole life ahead of them. They're happy because they're clueless. They don't know what the life's going to throw at them. But your week's full ahead of you. Monday, Tuesday, you're getting a bit panicky. Because the week's moving faster than you thought. It's already Tuesday. That's what we say to ourselves. Look, it's already Tuesday. Or look, it's already February. This annoys me. Oh, you know what else annoys me? Gosh, that is so annoying. Everything is annoying. Everything now annoys me. I'm irritated. Oh, that is so irritating. Have you found that? Have you heard that? Oh, it's so irritating. And these are our words. That's our mindset. These are the words that go over in our head. And we sing it to ourselves. These songs, these shouts, these alasses. Oh, can you believe it? Oh, it's happened again. They're so irritated. Oh, I'm so disappointed. I can't believe it. You can never trust that person to do it. Never. These are the words that are going through our mind day after day after day. We sing this song to ourselves. We have this little worship experience in our mind of irritability, of annoyances and disappointment. We're constantly focused on what is not working, what is not blessed, what is cursed. I can never depend on that person. I can never depend on you. You always do this to me. You always this. Everybody else is bad except me. And I would have been perfect if you were okay with me. <laughs> you can be fearful. That's the same thing. I'm afraid of this. This will happen. That will happen. I'm so afraid that will happen. I'm so afraid. I'm so scared. I, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. And you theme over that. You think over that. You chew over that. You can be grumbling. Grumbling is insane in our generation. We have found social media ways to grumble. Every third post on Instagram and on Facebook is cribbing about how something is not good. Something is not right. Have you seen this? Have you seen that? Aren't these people are like? And now we got pictures as well. Pictures as well. We got emoticons. We've got emotions to say, I am feeling stressed. Really? Well, I wasn't until you told me. You can be grumbling. I can't imagine things are so bad. You know, I just, I just can't imagine how things are. In our days, things were amazing. The, today, it's all bad. Can you believe how terrible this? Why does this always happen to me? It has to happen to me only. Has to happen to me. All the worst things are happening to me. Now, nothing works out for me. Like someone is there planning how the whole world must go against you because you're the sun and the world is revolving around you. We know you're hot, but you're not the sun. <laughs> Nothing is good enough ever, no matter what. My dear friends, my brothers, my sisters, and you. All this is an ungodly and unbelieving mindset. It is an ungodly and unbelieving mindset. God wants you and prepared you and created you for worship. Now you tell me, can bitter, bitter water and sweet water come out of the same spring? Can you curse and swear and at the same time come and give praise and expect walls to fall? Can you give shouts of praise? Can you sing hallelujah? Can you say thank you Jesus when all 
the weak. Everything you said, even the very expression on your face, the asymmetrical expression on your face, spelled out ungratitude, ungratefulness. Everything that you did, every way you behaved, not everything, not all the time, but a lot of it through the week said, life sucks, this is bad. Yeah, if this happened, and then you come, Lord, we worship you. We praise your holy name. And you're telling God he's amazing and in your heart you're telling you yourself you're scum. I know. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve God's way. I don't deserve God's goodness. God can be good. He's probably good. Good to everybody else. Not to me. This week is probably going to suck as bad as it did last week. And these are the thoughts while our words are worship. God's not going to buy that. He knows what's going on. All this is ungodly and unbelieving mindset. When we go forward in obedience, our weapon is worship. I'm going to say it slowly so that you get the connection. When we go forward into Monday, into Tuesday, into February, into March, into relationships, into priorities, into new jobs, into new uh, disciplines, new habits, into new plans. When we go forward, our weapon is worship. Why? What's going to come against you? Disappointment. Your weapon is worship. Discouragement. Your weapon is worship. Defeat, your weapon is worship. Death, your weapon is worship. Destruction, your weapon is worship. Depression, your weapon is worship. You have one weapon and God has given it to you. Shout, for I have given you the city. I have already condemned all that is against you. He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. No weapon formed against you can prosper. You are winners. You are conquerors you are my ambassadors and anything that comes against you i have already destroyed and i have already doomed it will not stand before you no plan that anybody is scheming against you will prosper it will not come to fruition so you see what i'm saying do you get the connection here god has already doomed your enemies and your enemies are not people they are all the d's and when God has already doomed it, your job in praise and worship is to declare victory over what God has already judged. You don't declare victory over the person who brought the defeat or brought the discouragement or brought the... You love them, but you praise God and you shout the shout of praise that God has already won it. That is a victory mindset. Victory in Jesus. Victory in Jesus, victory in what God has done, victory in who God is, victory that God is here. Shout that God is here. Our weapon is worship. Listen carefully. Our mission is obedience, not to judge or to condemn. Listen carefully. But we pronounce judgment that has already been made. We declare our enemies destroyed by the shout of praise and by the sword of the word. What are the enemies? What are the enemies? Declare praise. Declare shout. Declare God's victory because it's broken in Jesus name cancer is broken in Jesus name defeat is broken in Jesus name depression is broken in Jesus name if you don't already have a victory mindset you will not get through it and then declare victory at the end of it you declare victory before it they declared and shouted victory before the walls came tumbling down are you getting this are you getting the way God works? Are you getting the way God thinks? He didn't send you to battle. He sent you to pick up what's left of the battle. At the end of depression, there are hurting people. 
At the end of defeat, there are, there are losing people, there are hurt people, there are people with low self-esteem. At the end of destruction, there are people who are broken and God goes in to pick up the pieces and help make a ministry out of it. We declare victory over what has already been conquered. We declare victory over all what has already been won. We are just called to declare it, to shout. We were made for worship, not for war. Praise is our weapon. Praise is our weapon. It's a weapon against discouragement and defeat, in the face of disappointment and regret, against worry and anxiety. When you are worried, you are fearful. When you're fearful, you have a defeatist mindset, but God wants you to worship. But you want to worry, but God wants you to worship. But you need to worry, but God wants you to worship. Worry is and anxiety is the enemy. Worship is the antidote. Worship is the weapon that has been given to us. You think you're going to just sit there in bed or lie on your pillow and worry, worry, worry and just say, Lord, I just want to fall asleep. Do you know that your brain won't go to sleep for the rest of the night? Your eyes will close and you'll pass out a little bit, but you won't get deep sleep. The Lord gives rest to his servants. The proverb says. The Lord gives deep sleep. And when you look at it, the deep sleep versus the light sleep, you have been dreaming too much, you've been thinking too much, and your mind has been busy, and your eyes have been all over the place, and you wake up in the morning tired, fatigued, and you thought, I slept for eight hours. What happened? I must be tired because I slept so long. No, I'll tell you what happened. Your mind never went to sleep, Satan never went to sleep, thoughts didn't go to sleep, your brain was working, your eyes were working, only your muscles were relaxed. And when you wake up in the morning, you're just as tired. As, and that's because you chose to go to sleep worrying instead of praising and worshiping God. So when you sit in bed or you sit, sit or kneel next to your bed or you are lying in your bed and you go over verses of scripture, Samples of what I will give you, declaring that God has victory over all your circumstances. I dare you, you'll get some good sleep. You'll get some good sleep. It's not what you shout, it's when you shout. The walls came down, they must have shouted for a long time? No. One, shout. And the reason that one shout was good because six days they kept quiet. They just obeyed and they kept quiet. Even on the seventh day, six, six times they went, seven times they went around, quiet. Not a word will proceed out of your mouth. God doesn't want to hear anything out of you until you've obeyed him. Are you hearing this? And when you have done what I've told you to do, shout, I have given you the city. God will test your trust and dependence in the six days. Then he'll give you victory on the seventh. God will prove through the week that no one can touch you and harm you. He'll take you so close to your enemies. He'll take you so close to the situation. He'll make you circle the very place that you are about to destroy. And you'll be going round and round thinking that you're just going round and round. But you don't know what God is up to. Because worship is at the end of every plan, battle plan of God. Worship is at the end of every battle plan of God. He will bring victory. God will test your trust. He will test your dependence. And this is how he does it. He makes you do stuff that you do not understand. 
He makes you go around in circles that you do not understand. He makes you vulnerable to your enemies that you do not understand. And when you shout and everything falls apart, you're like, what just happened? What just happened? God doesn't call you to fight. He calls you to worship. Even in Ephesians chapter 6, he doesn't call you to fight. He says, put on the armor and stand. <laughs> you know, you, you go, when did you go through the armor thing? That's a lot of work. Put on this and put on that, put on tight, put on that, big mirror. And when you have put on the armor, he doesn't give you a battle plan. Okay, now let's do it. You know, like Braveheart and all. After you put on everything, he says, now stand. Because I'll fight. I'll fight and I want your enemy to see you that you're the last man standing. God's word will go before you and he will guard your way. The Ark of the Covenant went in front of them. will guard your way. Praise is a garment. Praise is a garment. Praise is a weapon? Yes? Praise is a garment. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You gotta switch clothing. You gotta switch clothing. Praise works like a magnifying glass. It causes what you're focusing on to get bigger, to be magnified. David said, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 34. It is a mistake to wait until you have no problems, fewer problems, or your problems are solved before you praise the Lord. Praise is one of the great scriptural keys to problem solving because it gets your focus off the problem and onto God, the problem solver. Charles Spurgeon said, my happiest moments are when I am worshiping God, really adoring the Lord Jesus Christ. In that worship I forget the cares of the church and everything else to me it is the nearest approach to what it will be like in heaven God has promised you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness it works like this when you begin to praise him with a heavy heart you experience a new sense of hope and joy through worship you are reminded that God is bigger than the situation you face that he's not only capable of managing your concerns but willing and wanting and waiting to manage your concerns, to destroy your enemies. The psalmist wrote, seven times a day I will praise him. Seven times a day I will praise him. Fill your day with praise. Don't just take coffee breaks and tea breaks. Take praise breaks. Begin to praise God for two things. His attributes, his love, his grace, his power, his failure, favor, his guidance. Praise him for his acts. Recall his goodness to you, his providence, his his nurture. Go ahead and take off the spirit of heaviness. Take it off and put on the garment of praise. C.S. Lewis says, praise is the means by which God reveals himself to his people. Look at some scriptures. Now my head will be lifted up above my enemies. Around me I will offer in my tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to God. Psalm 27. 1 John 3. The reason of the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Romans chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 3 verse 20. Do not fear them for the Lord your God is the one fighting for you. Romans chapter 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Through you we will push back our adversaries. Through your name we will trample down those who rise up against us. Psalm 44. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong, be bold, do not tremble, do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Psalm 18. For you have girded me with strength for battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. 2 Chronicles 20. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Why? Because of this vast army 
Don't let it get to you. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Here's the key. Joshua chapter 1. And Jericho was tightly shut up. Sealed doors and windows. And none went out and none came in. And with them ducking for fear, God points at Jericho and says, Joshua, see, I have given you the city. What challenge right now? What problem? What fortress before you? What great enemy do you have in your life that you're not hearing God's word saying, see, see. What should be your prayer? Lord, you take care of my enemies. You take care of these problems. You take care of these challenges, these fears, these disappointments, these failures, these memories, this sickness. Lord, you take care of it and say to me, see, See, and I will praise you. I will praise you. What is God saying that he has subdued for you? What are the scriptures? What are the promises of God? What has God promised? What is the commander-in-chief commissioning you to do? Six days they marched around quiet. On the last day they marched seventh. When the trumpet resounded to say that God was present, they shouted. They shouted. I will extol you my God and King and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. One on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all. His mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and, the ki and, and kind in all of his works. The Lord upholds all those who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears the cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him but all the wicked he will destroy my mouth will speak the praise of the lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever my mouth shall speak the praise of the lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever my mouth shall speak the praise of the lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever amen, amen. Through my night, restored exceeding joy. Your grace felt like the rain and make this desert live. You have.
It's the power of God for our salvation. Ask not for riches, but look to the cross. You are the Lord. And for our inheritance, give us the love. You are the Lord. Send your power, oh Lord, our God. Send your power. Sing like never before 
Lord, even when times are tough, Father God, when it seems that there is no solution, Father God, to break down those walls of Jericho, Father God, help us to have that trust in you, a God who's been faithful, Lord. He always has a plan for us, plan to prosper us, to give us a hope and a future. If we just declare victory, victory which has been given. Thank you, Jesus. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. I see the King of glory coming down with clouds, with fire. The whole earth shakes, the whole earth shakes. I see His love and mercy washing over Glorify God for who is Hosanna. 
when the music fades. So Jesus, a heart of worship is what we desire, Lord. A heart of worship. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's worth that bless your much deeper within to the way things appear you're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship when it's all about you when it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry Lord for the It's all about you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. King of endless words, no one can express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, Lord. Though I'm weak and poor. deeper within to the way things appear you look it into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship when it's all about you when it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry Lord for the It's all about you, when it's all about you, Jesus. You've come to God guilty, there is forgiveness. You are forgiven right now in Jesus' name. If you've come to God sick, if you've come to his presence sick, or with the, with the prayers of another sick one, there is healing in Jesus' name. With one voice and with one heart, we declare that God is our healer. If you've come to God in despair and you don't know what the future holds and there seems to be hopelessness or there is, there is no way out, then God is saying, I have a plan for you. I have a will for you. I will be with you. Though you walk through the waters, I will be with you. Through fire and through rain, I will help you soar above the oceans. God is with you. 
If there is discord in your marriage, there is healing right now. If there is discord in your relationships, God can heal those relationships right now. Father God, I appeal to you for our nation, for our prime minister, for our cabinet ministers, for all those who govern our people, for our army, for our air force, and for our navy, those who protect our people, for all those who are serving in different capacities. We pray for them right now when we lift them up before you asking your blessing on them. We don't curse them, we bless them. And we ask that they would operate from your blessing. We ask for those who are struggling in their work, in their careers, I pray that you would help them live out of their primary identity, which is in you. For those who are struggling with finances, break the bondage of finance, help them to become generous, help them to start tithing and set them free from that, I pray. I destroy and demand the complete corruption and destruction of Satan's work in the life of our people here. In the name of Jesus, I command it gone. I command healing uh, uh, sickness gone. I command everything that is being thrown at my people, at your people, oh God, I command it gone in Jesus' name. Amen. Lift the blanket, I pray, and release every mouth, every tongue to worship you. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made. It's all about you. It's all about you. Let's give to the Lord his tithes and our offerings. sing of your love forever I can 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 sing of your love Sing of your love forever. I can sing of your love forever. I can sing of your love forever. I can sing of your love forever. We're singing. Grace has found me just as I am, empty handed but alive in your hands. We're singing majesty, majesty forever. Beauty of your 
the love of God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide each and every one of us through this week and even forevermore.